athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. To the dopest show on radio, and I am your host, Donald Ware. We got a whole lot to get to on today's program as we normally do. You know, last week, week four of the National Football League with my predictions went nine and five. Nine and five last week, which is pretty good. I think the week before and week three, I, I was maybe one game over 500 something like that of course we had a tie going back a couple of weeks ago as well so for week five gonna have my predictions for week five of the nfl here on the program that's gonna come up a little bit later on so also today here on the program gonna be joined by scott hamilton Scott Hamilton, of course, 1984 gold medalist figure skater. He's got a really good story. As a matter of fact, he's got a new podcast that's out. And uh, we're going to have a conversation with Scott Hamilton today here on the program. Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien out as the head coach of the Houston Texans. Like, I, I don't know that I saw that coming. Like, you could understand why it would be coming because of some of the personnel moves that he's made. And I think I think that Bill O'Brien, at least from everything you hear from year to year, it seems like he's on the hot seat from year to year. But the Texans are able to make the playoffs, so then you're not going to get rid of a coach that makes the – not necessarily anyway, get rid of a coach who makes the playoffs – and so, again, the 0-4 start by the Texans, certainly underachieving. You thought that maybe, okay, you know, they may be decent defensively. You certainly – but, again, if I'm Deshaun Watson, like, I don't have Andre Hopkins anymore. Like, that's huge. I mean, you're talking about one of the top three wide receivers in the league and to just let him go for not much – of anything for whatever the reason was certainly not a smart move. The Texans get off to the O and four start and Bill O'Brien is looking for another job. So also in the national football league, Justin Herbert named the starter for the chargers. And again, I mean, this is a kid. I, I go back a couple of weeks ago uh, when Tyrod Taylor was out because of the lung, the punctured lung issue Justin Herbert comes in, 
has a solid game. My thought was the following week, especially as a rookie, that's not going to happen. The same thing will not happen, but in terms of his play. But he had a solid game, all things considered, where teams now have tape on him. So generally that second game, you can come in, nobody knows who you are, what you're doing, you keep it simple. You may have some success week two now that everybody's seen what you can do. Generally doesn't go well in that manner, but it went okay for Justin Herbert to the point uh, last week he had a good game. And so now Anthony Flynn has named Justin Herbert the starter for the, the Los Angeles Chargers. Get ready to call him the San Diego Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers. And so we'll certainly ha- see how things play out. So uh, got plenty of uh, National Football League to talk about today on the program. Join us on the program here. Hit me up via Twitter at Poxtoro, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. On my personal Twitter account, at dware one at dware one Or on my personal Instagram account, at Donald. Thank you to all of the great affiliates around the country that carry the program. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM, channels 141 and 142, and those that listen to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. One of the bigger stories, if not the biggest story in the National Football League this week, unless you want to, you know, a couple of teams now have had COVID-19 or have had uh, whether players or, 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 or staff members have tested positive, and, and the beat sort of goes on when you're talking about the Tennessee Titans. It's really hit that organization quite hard. But the biggest, the biggest, or one of the big stories, we'll say, of the week in the National Football League involves the Washington football team and the benching of starting quarterback Dwayne Haskins. Now, when you talk about the Washington football team and you talk about from a historic perspective, the quarterback has been a huge issue. Like I can I can think back to when what was it Gus Farrat and Heath Schuler when Heath Schuler was struggling, got benched, Gus Farrat came in, saved the day in a particular game. I mean, that was like broadcast on ABC World News tonight. Like that's how big the quarterback situation in Washington is. Well, Ron Rivera has now benched not only has he benched Dwayne Haskins and uh, moved up uh, his quarterback from last year, Kyle Allen, that was with him in Carolina, but he's also moved Alex Smith up to second string, which is really big because if you go back a couple of years ago, Alex uh, Alex Smith had that gruesome leg injury, broke, broke his leg. Oh, it was gruesome. He almost lost his life behind that. And to be able to work all the way back to not only being able to save his life, his leg, but to also have a possibility to play football again is absolutely remarkable. So now he's third string. Dwayne Haskins is, or second string, I'm, I'm, excuse me, uh, uh, you, you're talking about second string in Alex Smith. Third string now is Dwayne Haskins, but not only that, Haskins has been deactivated. He won't dress on Sunday against the Rams. And so I'm going to I'm going to give you my thought. I got to take a line 
from a movie to give you my thoughts on this and then I will elaborate. I've been hearing a lot of shit out here on these streets, man. You all right? It's all good. I talked to three wise men. Everything is lovely. If you say we can get away with it, I'm with you. You know what I'm saying? Who the is this? Jay Coy, it's my first day in the unit. I'm from Valley Patrol. You a long way from Starbucks, homie. If you say we can get away with it, I'm with you. You know what I'm saying? That was Dr. Dre's character in the movie Training Day talking to Denzel Washington's character. And that's how I feel like if, you know, Ron Rivera is a proven coach in the National Football League. Now, I must say a couple of things that have happened this year when you're talking about the Washington football team leaving timeouts uh, when when you're when when the team is losing on the board going back a couple of weeks ago and then I thought not kicking the field goal uh in the game uh, on Sunday down three scores with about I think it was maybe six five minutes remaining something like that you kick the field goal there's going to be a 40 some yarder you're that's good now you're down two possessions with some time remaining and timeouts. I, I didn't like that. He he says with the timeouts, and I'm sure with that play, well, the game was over. Well, it's it's not over. You know, it's not over until it is over. But if he's if he says it's cool and the Washington football team wins games, then I'm cool with it. I had a chance to listen to his presser as he when he made the announcement, talked a lot about where the team was in terms of in the division. The East the East Division continues to be bad. The leader of the division right now, the Eagles, at 1-2-1. and one. Had the Eagles lost, they'd have been 0-3-1. Washington football team in Dallas would have been tied at 1-2. and two. And then the, the Giants are abysmal at 0-4. So it's an opportunity there from what he's saying for the team to sort of turn it around a little bit. You know, I mean... I, when I look at Dwayne Haskins, there's nothing, in, in going back to last year, there's nothing that says to me that indicates that he's going to be a special or elite quarterback in the National Football League. That's, that doesn't mean he's he can't be decent or serviceable. But again, remember, this is a team that moved up in the draft in 2000, in last year, last year's draft, 2019, to draft him. And when you look at the last four games of the season in 2019, he showed some promise of possibly being pretty good. Now, what the coaching staff will say, he and Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator, will say, well, he didn't have any you know, reps. None of, the, none of the team had reps. I mean, Kyle Allen, for all intents and purposes, was a rookie last year. Started off great, great, like what twelve interceptions or twelve touchdowns in his first however many games, and it didn't end too well. But listen, if it's going to make the team win, if it's a shot in the arm that they feel like the team needs, then that's fine. I just don't think you. I, I think it's now a wasted pick, and I just don't think. I don't know, and don't think you can ever go back to Dwayne Haskins now. As your quarterback, I think the damage is done. He's a young guy. Remember, he was he was mad draft day because he felt like a bunch of teams passed him over, and he said he was going to show the league. Well, I think Ron Rivera and the Washington football team is showing him right now as he is going to be 
deactivated for the game against the Rams on Sunday. More of the program on the other side. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Hey, what happened to all the Marjorie's beef jerky? Hey, what's up, bro? It was you, wasn't it? What was? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You ate all the Marjorie's beef jerky, didn't you? Yeah, so what? That was mine! Dad just bought that for me yesterday. Don't worry, I'll just go online and buy some more. No big deal. Wait, you can just go online and buy more? Well, in that case, I'm going to buy the original, orange teriyaki, and sweet and spicy. But I do expect you to pay me back for all that beef jerky you ate. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. Purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online right now at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. Or call them toll-free, 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. Missed any of our shows? How about our interview with top sports and entertainment figures? Check out Radio Boss, Radio Boss Podcast at Radio-Boss.com. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row. A little get down on it for you. As a matter of fact, Robert Cool Bell joining us on the Radio Boss this week. Still to come here on the program. My NFL predictions for week five, plus going to be joined by Olympic gold medalist figure skater Scott Hamilton on the program. Super excited about that. You know, the 2020 has been a most difficult year, to say the least. A lot of people have passed away due to COVID-19, people passing away. Generally speaking, you look at more recently here, Eddie Van Halen uh, passed away earlier this week. So it's been a very difficult year in uh, 2020. No question about that. From an HBCU sports perspective, what has been the biggest story other than COVID-19 affecting football, affecting homecomings? Like, that's... That's sort of the thing, right? Like, you know, it's all about the culture. You know, the the, the HBCU culture is a lot of fun. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, you, you talk about those homecomings. And by the way, hopefully, 
hopefully you'll donate in lieu of going to a homecoming. If you're able to donate to your respective university, you will do that, especially in these times. I know that uh, quite a few of the institutions have like a virtual homecoming coming up and support that. Even if you're not able to attend it or log on, support it from a financial standpoint. You know, it's interesting because the other day I was reading in CNN Money. It, it was a very fascinating article, as a matter of fact. Um, matter of fact, the name of the article HBCUs are missing an investment opportunity reserved for predominantly white universities. And the article really talked about these venture capital firms that make these investments in universities, mostly predominantly white universities. And that's how a lot of these universities are able to build their endowments. A lot of them using these venture capital firms. I think one of the, uh, the article also highlighted uh, says more than 80% of venture capital firms don't have a single black investor and only 2% of venture venture capital partners are black. So, it, it, you know, I, I think it doesn't even register. Although we've seen a lot of gifts during this COVID-19, we've seen a lot of gifts to HBCUs. I mean, it's a way by HBCUs making an investment in venture capital firms get a return on that investment and that's how a lot of these schools I mean I was reading what Harvard Yale have I I don't it was a 40 billion dollar endowments I mean that's (laughs) that's a lot of money and so you know I hope we see some of the venture and and it's a I mean there's a risk now there's no question about it you got to have a little bit of capital to be able to make the investment, to get the return on the investment. So there's no doubt that there is definitely a risk involved with that. They mentioned, the the article mentioned Hampton because Hampton, that's something that Hampton does. I think it was, I can't remember, I think it was another uh, HBCU that may be involved uh, in that as well. But the article also went on to say, which I thought was extremely interesting as well, that, HBCUs have, I think it was $15,000 on average in endowment per student. So if you take the largest HBCU in terms of enrollment, and that being North Carolina A&T at in excess of, at least pre-COVID, at in excess of 10,000 students, well, that if, if you equated the average $15,000 per student, that's an an endowment of about $150 million. If you use just using a and as, as an example, I don't know if that's what the endowment is at North Carolina a and but that's low 15,000. When you're looking at a comparable non HBCU, you know what a comparable non HBCU uh, endowment per student is $410,000. to $410,000. And I think, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's a risk there. I'm not, you know, I I just, maybe, you know, our schools need to look into this a little bit more. I think when you talk about HBCU, you talk about the, I mean, we talk about the culture and missing homecomings and all those kind of things. I mean, those are great. And those are things, you know, obviously that, that, that are fun, but some of our schools, 
quite a few of our schools, as a matter of fact, are in trouble. So, uh, you know, I think it starts with us as alumni giving back to our schools. I think it also starts with us as alumni. Uh, if we have a, a you know a business, uh, you know, giving giving back to our school, other schools, but also uh, almost demanding that businesses that we patronize also giving back to either our HBCUs, HBCU entities, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So now while we talk a lot about sports from an HBCU perspective on from the press box to press room and have done so for 15 years, I mean, it's about HBCUs as a whole. And, you know, I mean, I think the venture capital way to go, it's, it's, it, it can be risky, um, but at the same time, it can be ultra, ultra rewarding. So I hope that, um, you know, maybe some of our schools will take more advantage of that. And I invite you to Google the article it was in CNN.com business and maybe CNN.com, uh, Google CNN.com HBCU venture capital. And it'll, it'll probably come up. So let me get back to the point I was making before about what are some of the biggest stories sports wise uh, in the world of HBCUs this year so far. I mean, was it North Carolina A&T announcing that it was making the move to the Big South? I mean, I think that started off the year that announcement made in February. I think that really started off the year, started off the year with a bang and that was only I mean I know not HBCU but that was only what the week after uh, Kobe Bryant uh, was killed in the helicopter accident so I mean (laughs) 2020 I'm telling you 2020 I mean it it, it has been absolutely brutal was it the fact that Florida A&M decided to leave the MEAC also to join the SWAC which as we've talked about on this program like makes a lot of sense I mean, when you talk about from a historical standpoint, the uh, FAMU used to be in the SIAC, right? So it played a lot of those SWAC schools back in the day and a lot of natural rivalries. I mean, I think even more so than natural rivalries, you're talking about fan bases. Um, uh, because at the end of the day, I think when you look at the MEAC as a whole from top to bottom, in the SWAC, the fan bases, especially when it relates to football are stronger now the football at least this year or at least in years past I think is better from top to bottom in the MEAC than the SWAC but that's I mean that's going to change I mean that's definitely going to change you're talking about now six HBCUs that play football and not and, and, and it's good football but now you're talking about taking maybe coming into this season the two best programs in HBCU football or two of the best because I mean you know Old Corn State can make an argument Bowie State can make an argument based upon what happened last year but at least if you're talking about two of the strongest uh certainly in the MEAC you're talking about Florida A&M and A&T both leaving the conference after this year even I mean are we even going to play football in the spring there's you know there's talk of spring football as a matter of fact the SWAC already has its schedule out, has had its schedule out for some time now in terms of the matchups. I think I, I forget how many games, how many conference games there are, but there's the SWAC schedule 
that's out. Um, those money games going to be off the table now because all of the FBS conferences are either playing or slated to play soon. So I think those, you know, those those money games going to be off the table. Um, the MEAC, as a matter of fact, going to play its first ever and maybe only at least for a time being, for the time being, uh, football championship going to take place uh, the weekend of April 16th through 18th. What about Deion Sanders? That's a huge story. Deion Sanders as the new head football coach uh, at Jackson State. I, I think one of the ones, I mean, it didn't go under the radar, but I mean, it, it was big at the time. But I mean, when you when we're talking about some of what we're talking about now, how about Mo Williams hire at Alabama State as its new head men's basketball coach? So a lot of stories um, and I want to alert you guys to something that's happening. The HBCU virtual tailgate is going to begin on Saturday. It's going to happen from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be on uh, broadcast on Facebook Live or shown on Facebook Live on the Facebook, the athletic Facebook pages, live pages of Alabama State, who's going to be featured on Saturday. North Carolina A&T, Florida A&M, Southern, and Howard University also going to be featured. I'm, I'm, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm a part of this. Um, again, it kicks off on Saturday. You can watch on the Facebook Live pages, again, of A&T, FAMU, uh, Alabama State, Howard, and Southern. I, I'm excited. I'm going to bring you some of these topics that we're talking about right now, and this is going to be a five-week deal highlighting Alabama State. As a matter of fact, going to have also an interview with Alabama State Athletics Director Jennifer Lynn, who has been doing an awesome job at Alabama State, is doing a lot of big things, has been uh, get, gotten awards from NACTA, et cetera. So looking forward to that interview as well. And it's going to be for five weeks, 11 to 1, on the respective Facebook pages of the institutions that I mentioned. Looking forward to it. And one, one of the other uh, hosts, Terrence J., of course, of BET 106 in Park fame. He's an A&T grad. Kelly Wells, a, um, a former Olympic medalist back in 2012, a Hampton grad. Um, you know, I'm a Morgan grad, so it's an HBCU thing. Very excited to be a part of it. And uh, you can log on again for more information on our Twitter and Facebook pages as well. But on the Facebook Live pages on Saturday, 11 to 1 Eastern, A&T, FAMU, Bama State, or Alabama State, that is, Howard, and Southern. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, I'm giving my predictions for week five of the NFL. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to shoot for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused. Just really, you know, excited. He's Chadwick Bozeman and he joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Road. You are, in fact, a graduate. What do you remember most about your days at Howard? Howard is like one of those experiences where... <laughs> You know it's a it's a bubble. You know it's a it's a special moment. Like I had some great teachers. Felicia Rashad was one of my teachers. You know, I just remember being nurtured to respect black writers, 
black directors, black actors, as well as the classics. So you got the full scope of what you should experience. And I think that's unique to Howard. I just love the fact that they respected the full scope of it. Kiki Palmer joining us here on the program. I, I've come in a lot of different ways. I think I've definitely grown as far as my age progression. And that shows that I've literally grown, I guess, on screen. And people have seen me from, you know, a young kid to coming of age into an adult. And I feel like slowly but surely they're not taking that Aquila memory out their head, but realizing Aquila also has, you know, has grown up. I don't ever want to be typecasted as just the weed hosting girl. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That's the voice, of course, of T.I., it's some hard times down in the ATL, though, T.I. Yeah, and if that is understood. It wouldn't be the first. <laughs> wouldn't be the first, nor the worst. But, you know, you got to stay down with the home team, you know? No, nah, no question. I'm, I'm still I'm still down with the skins, man. What can I say? They're, they're not doing too well right now. Well, like... <laughs> you know what I mean? We got to... Hey, 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 look, man. We got we to gotta hold it down so we, can, so we can get it back right again. <laughs> that is the voice of Maria Taylor, ESPN College Sports Analyst. College Game Day is a show that I grew up watching, a, a show that I've always loved. I knew that when I was um, able to join, I was more than excited. I found out the same week as I turned 30, and it's just something that I never dreamed I would be a part of, but something that I'm so thankful to have under my belt have done for an entire season. It's, there's nothing like it, honestly. Hello, I'm Josh Stone, and I'm here chatting to Donald on Thunder Press Box to Press Roll. Kimber Walker. There's a lot more poison. You know, um, the game is slowed down, so you know, I kind of know what to expect. You know, I've been watching a lot of film on our offense and, you know, what plays I can make. You know, I'm just trying to make the best plays possible. When I draw a second defender to me, um, I know my job is done. I'm trying my best to find the open guy. You know, the difference is guys are making shots. That's been the biggest difference. I'm talking about none other than Common. Well, I ended up in Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. And, I mean, I played high school basketball, but... At one point, my career kind of rounded off because I got injured and I wasn't getting as much playing time, so I became impatient. I went to school first, starting off with general studies, then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. I got into the school of business, and it was definitely a great learning experience for me. She's regarded as the best gymnast in the world. She's Simone Biles, the ESPN Swimsuit Edition. Actually, really fun. Like, to be honest, me and Ali had a lot of fun. We were like, oh, of course, I've run the best shape of our lives. We're feeling confident about our body and we hope that other young girls and women like feel that being strong is so beautiful. So that's what we kind of try to do. Mine was just like beauty, but also showing muscles. Like I feel like when little girls look at that, they'll think it's okay to have muscles and be beautiful and like sexy at the same time in a good manner. And I think that's what we got across, hopefully. It was great. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm -hmm. All the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me, Clay, in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Still Beauty Football League has done so many wonders. we got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown to Division One. WWE champion Alexa Bliss. How does one go from being a cheerleader as you were at the Division One level at to being the WWE champion? <laughs> well, 
Well, uh, after I appeared in Akron, my uh, trainer had told me that WWE was having a tryout, so and they knew I was a fan. So I went online and I submitted a video to WWE.com. Um, I didn't think anything would come of it, but then I was called and given a tryout. And then after I tried out, I was signed to NXT, and it just kind of became a roller coaster from there. We're joined by the one and only Jerry Rice. What do you remember most about those days at Mississippi Valley State? What is going on at Mississippi Valley State University? <laughs> Why are these guys putting up unbelievable numbers? And that brought awareness to the school. And after that, I got drafted to the San Francisco 49ers. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's From the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. My predictions for week five of the NFL here on the program Buccaneers and Bears already played, and I may talk a little bit uh, about that. Let's start off. The Bills are going to be at the Titans. This is a tough pick. You're talking about two teams that are playing extremely well. And by the way, uh, Josh Allen is playing very, very well for the Bills. But again, the Titans are right there as well, playing some good football. This should be a standing football game. I think it comes down to who makes the least mistakes. And I'm going to go, you know, I, I like the Bills. Like, I like, I really like Josh Allen. I really like what he's doing. I'm going to go with the Bills in this game. The Texans and the Jaguars. The 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 Texans obviously firing Bill O'Brien. Wow, I mean, I don't, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I didn't see that coming. But I think that when you look at the moves that the Texans have made, I mean, I also think that when you look at Bill O'Brien, he was on the hot seat anyway. Like, it seemed like every year he was on the hot seat and they they weren't able. I don't know if it's just his personality didn't mesh with what the Houston organization was looking for. I'm really not sure. It just seemed like you would always hear scuttlebutt about Bill O'Brien. But at the end of the day, the Texans were competitive under him until this year and ultimately would make the playoffs a lot. So I think it'd be hard to pull a coach when your team is being successful. We've seen it happen, obviously, but I think it would have been hard for the Texans to do so. So uh, into town comes the Jaguars, who may be equally as bad, even though the Jaguars have that opening week win against the Colts. I think the Texans get it done this week. Romeo Cornell uh, is the interim coach. I mean, I think that, the Texans ultimately get it done this week. They're going to play for Cornell. They've been underachieving. No question about that. I have the Texans in this game. The Bengals and the Ravens. Um, you look at Joe Burrow's been playing well. The Bengals get their first win on last week. You know, the Ravens are really, really good. Like, I mean, I, I realize they lose to the Chiefs going back a couple of weeks ago. They come up against the Washington football team and, Washington's going to make everybody healthy. Uh, you know, I, I I think ultimately uh, the Bengals, you know, making some progress and Joe Burrow's making some progress. But, I mean, when you're going up against Lamar Jackson, that's a tough matchup. But the, the Ravens have 
an extremely tough defense. I'm going with the Ravens in Baltimore. The Panthers and the Falcons. Boy, the Falcons, I tell you what, I mean, you talk about a hot seat right now. And the Falcons, you know, even, I mean, they're just underachieving. It's supposed to be a, you know, a, 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 a really good receiving core. Matt Ryan is playing reasonably well, but the Falcons as a team, especially on defense, not getting it done. Meanwhile, the Panthers with two wins. I continue to say that this is a rebuilding year, but I, you know, I mean, with the way that the NFC South is, I mean, you know, you never know about the Saints, really. I mean, the you look at the Falcons, the Falcons are struggling. Um, you know, I think maybe this is not, it, it is, they're looking to rebuild, but it, they're going to challenge, I guess, at the end of the day in Carolina. I, I like the win that the Panthers had last week. Some guys that we don't really mention their names, really, Robbie Anderson, you know, had a good game. At receiver, you look at Teddy Bridgewater starting to really come around and, you know, settle down. I'm, I'm going to go with the Panthers on the road in Atlanta. The Raiders and the Chiefs in Kansas City, you look at the Chiefs playing well. The, the Raiders are iffy. Derek Carr, you know, is 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 iffy. I mean, I, I, I'm not I'm definitely not picking. Um, you know, the Chiefs are really like the Chiefs are really, really good. Like, I'm not going to pick against the Chiefs as good as the Chiefs are. Um, you know, would it have made a difference had Cam Newton played for the Patriots? I think so. You look at that game, and really the Patriots gave a blueprint at least for three quarters. It was a 6-3 to three ball game after three quarters. You, the, the, the Patriots give a blueprint in terms of how you can try and uh, at least slow down that Kansas City offense, slow it down a little bit. Obviously, the floodgates opened up on the Patriots in the fourth quarter, and the Chiefs, able to get it done, but uh, the Raiders just don't have enough. I'm going with Kansas City. The Cardinals and the Jets. I'll tell you what, the Jets are struggling, no question about it, but I, I, you know, I wasn't sure how good Sam Darnold was, to be honest with you. I, I hadn't really seen him play, only looked at, you know, I mean, I hate to look at numbers in professional sports, but I think sometimes, you know, when you don't see guys play, it doesn't really tell you how good they are or not, but you can get a gauge for maybe how they're doing. I had a chance to watch Sam Darnold last week uh, on that Thursday night game against the Broncos, and he looked really, really good in that football game. Doesn't have a lot of help. Le'Veon Bell has been injured. I mean, I think, you know, his injuries linger back to a couple of years ago when he took the entire season off. Meanwhile, the Cardinals have have struggled a little bit. Kyler Murray uh, has struggled the last couple of games and a couple of losses uh, in succession for the Cardinals. Uh, but, I mean, I, you know, I'm going to pick the better of the teams and I'm going to go with Arizona in New Jersey against the Jets. The Steelers and the Eagles. The Steelers haven't played. They didn't play last week because of the COVID situation with the Titans. Meanwhile, the Eagles coming off, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, like the Eagles are coming off, you know, a pretty impressive win. Quite frankly, I realize the 49ers are banged up, but that was an impressive win. Like, I like the way Carson uh, Wentz played in that football game. You know, I, I wasn't sure. Like, he was having a down season. He was sort of down to, to uh, the first couple of games. Struggled, really, uh, in the second half, really against that Washington football team to open the season. But he came back an impressive win. But, I mean, I'm not – you know, the Steelers are tough. Like, this, ben, Big Ben is back playing well. All kinds of 
uh, weapons. Uh, you know, you look at you even look at that running game for the Steelers. That's really, really good. Uh, and then you also look at the defense for the Steelers. Uh, it's the Battle of Pennsylvania, and I have the Steelers over the Eagles in Pittsburgh. The Rams at the Washington football team. <sighs> well, let's see. So we talked about this a little bit. Looking at the Washington football team, not only demoting uh, Dwayne Haskins to third string, but also deactivating him for this football game. That speaks volumes to me, as I mentioned a little bit earlier on. I mean, Kyle Allen, he knows the system. He was with Scott Turner, uh, you know, last year with Ron Rivera on last year, started that season out for the Panthers. What I think he threw 12 interceptions before he threw uh, 12 touchdowns, excuse me, before he threw an interception and then ultimately finished something like he, he tailed off when, when, when teams had tape, you know, that's, this is tough. I think you go back to the tape. Uh, if you, if, if you're the Rams, uh, and look at what he did last year. And, you know, you got to – Scott Turner's a good offensive coordinator. Like, he's going to switch things up uh, a little bit. Ultimately, I, I told you guys <laughs> I, I, I've told, I, I told you last uh, – well, the previous weeks to last week that I don't pick against the Washington football team, but really right now just sort of turmoil. The You know, the, the I mean, the, the loss on, on Sunday um, to the Ravens. I mean, no shame there. But, I mean, the defense not playing as well as I thought it would. I'm going to go with the Rams in Washington. The 49ers and the Dolphins. It's a tough game because the 49ers are banged up. You look at Jimmy Garoppolo, um, you know, uh, uh, Kittle, you know, ready to rock and roll. Uh, That defense is really banged up for the 49ers. The Dolphins really, however, are, you know, when I look at the Dolphins, I mean, it's a team uh, uh, that is really struggling right now. Really, really. Uh, uh, no, well, I, I say they're struggling, but I mean they they are coming off of, up off of a win against the Jaguars. I mean that you know the Jaguars are are struggling, but the Dolphins with a, with a convincing win. You know sometimes you have to pick upsets. To me, this would be an upset. So I'm going to go with the Dolphins against the 49ers, and the 49ers are at home. The Giants and the Cowboys, it's an an NFC East battle. The Giants continue to struggle, but the Cowboys do as well. I think when you look at the Cowboys, no question about it, underachieving Mike McCarthy. um, You know, I don't know what it is. Like, you you, you have all everything you need, and you look at last year, and the Cowboys are doing better last year than they are so far this year with even more the reference. I mean, when you look at, you know, Smith – on defense is playing especially well, especially a guy that was out of football for four years. Boy, he's dominating. Um, you know, Joe Thomas is playing well, the former South Carolina State star as well. I mean, like, I, I got to pick the Cowboys in this game, but I picked the Cowboys like every week, and the Cowboys have only won one football game, but I think this time around the Giants are just really bad right now. I'm going to pick the Cowboys in Dallas. Broncos... At the Patriots. So the Broncos are, you know, I mean, the quarterback issues with the Broncos, you know, have have gone back to the Super Bowl year. They've never been able to rectify. Like you're you're getting a win against the Jets, 
But at the same time, I thought the Broncos looked pretty good defensively, uh, to be honest with you. Going up against the Patriots, who have a lot of questions to answer. Stephon Gilmore, Cam Newton both contracted COVID-19. I mean, I think, and by the way, the Patriots had been reduced to really virtual meetings this week opposed to getting out on the field. I think that there's no doubt that that's going to play into this, but I I give the Broncos credit for winning last week, but I think the Patriots still ultimately win this football game. The Colts and the Browns. Are the the Browns hitting their stride back-to-back wins, albeit against the Washington football team and the Cowboys, but the Browns had to go tit-for-tat like OBJ had a coming-out Bit of a coming out party there uh, against the Cowboys. You know, you look at the Colts. I mean, the Colts have been pretty steady this year, save for a, a, a loss against the Jaguars to open up the season. You know, Phillip Rivers looking a little bit better. But, I, you know, I like the way that the Browns are playing right now. I like the way that they're playing on offense. They're going to have to um, be pretty solid defensively against the Colts. But, again, you know, Phillip Rivers, I think, is the X factor there. How well will he play? Um, but ultimately, um, I'm going with the Browns in Cleveland. The Sunday night game, the Vikings are at the Seahawks. Yes, the Vikings are coming off a win, but the Vikings had been struggling to that point. Meanwhile, uh, I'm going to continue to say it, although I like the way Aaron Rodgers is playing right now. I mean, Russell Wilson for MVP, but it's like 1-1A between Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. But I just, you know, games in Seattle, uh, not that that matters a whole lot. The 12th man's not going to be in play, obviously. But I don't think it matters. Like the Vikings, yeah, they're coming off a win, but they're really, like, they're really not that good right now. Meanwhile, the Seahawks are really, really good both uh, on the offense and the defense. And by the way, I like the Seahawks uh, in the Super Bowl as well. I'm going with the Seahawks. Monday night football, the Chargers going to be at the Saints. Uh, Drew Brees and company bounced back with the victory on last week over the Lions. You look at the Chargers coming off that loss against the Buccaneers where they had the big lead and couldn't hold it. So, you know, the Chargers have some questions to answer defensively. I like the quarterback play, the young rookie, Herbert is coming around uh, for the Chargers, but not going to have enough going up against the Saints. I have the Saints in the Big Easy. Your thoughts on my thoughts? Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. In the last segment of the program, we're going to be joined by an Olympic gold medalist, Scott Hamilton, is up next. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitby, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh market in North Carolina and Virginia. 
Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. It's Donald Ware from the press box to we're press back row. And we're joined by a gentleman, as a matter of fact, who won the is a gold medal figure skater, won the gold medal at the 1984 Olympics. As a matter of fact, also won four consecutive U.S. championships. He's also an inductee of the U.S. Olympic Hall of Fame and has a new podcast, Live Your Days podcast, which began on October 6th. He's Scott Hamilton, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Scott, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. It's an awesome honor to be a part of this. And, man, you've, you've had a big, big time interviewing a lot of really huge legends, so I am I'm really honored to be a part of this. Well, I tell you what, Scott, you're, you're you, hey, look, I, you know, I've been in this opportunity, uh, fell into our laps thanks to uh, Mr. Art, and so we're glad that you've been able to be a part of this. You know, I want to start here because, you know, it seems like, Everybody has a podcast. We have a we have a radio show, but we have a podcast here too. And now you have one. Live your days podcast. Tell us about it. Tell us how it all came about. Well, the podcast is an extension of the whole kind of platform. It's a I like to call it a uh, digital encouragement platform, and it's really a destination. It's liveyourdays.com, and we really feel like, uh, you know, this idea came about about four years ago when I was diagnosed with my third brain tumor, and in that, you know, I, I just said, you know, we choose, you know, kind of how to live. We choose joy. We choose, you know, what each, you know, the identity of each day, and, and we thought, oh, this would be a perfect platform to really encourage people. It didn't feel like the right time then, and it was during COVID and all the lockdowns that I got um, I, I got a call from the company that I was working with, and they said, now, and I go, I think now is a really good time to really just dig down and encourage people to, you know, rise up above, you know, whatever their issues are and, and you know, to really just take this moment to understand that the joy and the, and the incredible opportunity that this life presents and that kind of, you know, big picture stuff instead of, you know, kind of sweating the small stuff or, or really just focusing on all the things that are negative or wrong in our lives to focus on all the things that are great and to really choose um, to kind of live our days um, authentically, um, to, you know, understand that our bodies, our lives are incredibly fragile, vulnerable to a lot of things, but also we're phenomenally resilient, but ultimately we're temporary. And so our days are our days, and we have to really pay attention to how we live them. No, I think that's extremely well said. I want to touch on something um, that you mentioned, a couple of things, as a matter of fact, and you, you mentioned um, you know, you've you've had some health issues that you've been able to deal with, but I think part of that also speaks to your faith. So the faith that you have also helped you to deal with those you've had quite a few and have, have made it through. Uh, can can you speak about that and how your you know your faith uh, has really enabled you to deal with with those uh, issues? Well, you know, it's, it's really interesting that. You know, we can look at the incidences in our lives and our knockdowns, and, and we can look at them as curses, or we can look at them as unique blessings. And and honestly, I you know, I, you know, I had a childhood illness. Uh, I was in and out of hospitals for four years. Um, you know, I had cancer. Um, you know, I lost my mom at a very young age uh, to cancer. And you know, I look back on all those kind of 
are devastations, and um, you know each one of them, you know, really uh, directed my or redirected my path in order to me to allow me to really get in touch with you know where I should be, where I need to be, where I you know, and so you know with with cancer, you know, I wouldn't have the the wife and family I have right now had it not been for my cancer. I can totally attribute it to that. You know, I never would have found the best part of my character. You know, and and I. I mean, I want my mom back, um, but, you know, I realized, you know, that in, in her passing that I could try to become the person that she always wanted me to be, and, you know, with each brain tumor, it's had a different identity. The first one really ignited my faith. You know, I told my wife, you know, it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do is, she said, what's going on? I go, I have a brain tumor, and she, without even hesitation, just grabbed both my hands and started to pray, and it was in that moment that I realized um, where everything, where I take everything, you know, and, and, you know, the second brain tumor felt like a little bit of a kick in the gut, but the third one really was um, fascinating because, you know, the whole time they're telling me it's back and, you know, here's blah, blah, you know, they, I, all I could hear was blah, 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 because in the back of my mind, all I heard was get strong, get strong, and I, I didn't understand what that meant at the time. It was like, do I get strong physically or emotionally or intellectually or spiritually and and so in that I kind of chose e all the above <laughs> you know and and I just decided right. to you know really be intentional about getting strong you know really trying to be emotionally strong trying to be interested in in growing my understanding of what's going on around me and at the same time really diving into my faith and it's been an empowering thing and I you know and, and again those are the kind of the the four pillars of this live your days platform are you know, physical, emotional, um, intellectual, and spiritual, and and it's like you're sitting on a chair, and if any one of those four legs, any one of those four legs are missing, you're probably going to fall down. So, we really want to encourage people and give them, you know, what they need in order to recognize all they have to draw on to live quality lives and to, you know, live their days, live their days, you know, authentically and joyfully and abundantly, and and uh, you know, it just felt like the right time to really present all of this. Sure, the one and only Scott Hamilton joins us here on Boxer Row with the Radio Boss. Scott, what do you remember most about winning that gold medal at the Olympics in 1984? You know, it, it's so much of it's a blur, and so much of it is, you know, sort of like, bam, you know, it's right there. I, I remember stepping out on the ice to do, you know, compulsory figures, and I was up against the best figures guy, you know, one of the best in history, and and that was sort of my Achilles heel. I realized if I if I couldn't do all the figures, then I, I you know, so I really put my head down to the work. And we were um, in the same sort of group, and so um, I I had the opportunity of training with him for a few days on my way to Sarajevo, and I saw that I I actually could beat him because I I worked really hard. It was like I always tell my kids, you know, what's the greatest strength? And they roll their eyes and they tell me lack of weakness. And and for me that was a weakness. And so. I put my figures right on top of his so that, you know, um, you know, the judges would have, like, apples-to-apples comparison right there. And, and I beat him 5-4 in the first figure, 7-2 in the second figure, and 9-0. Those are judges, right? Nine judges to zero on the third figure. And that's what set me up to win the Olympics. And I remember how nervous I was in the short program, and adrenaline was just flowing, and I couldn't even feel my legs, and I had to find an empty locker room and in, in, in the Zetra Arena, and I just had to scream at myself, you know, just to kind of purge myself of all the adrenaline. And then, you know, the long program, you know, it just felt like I was out there for 20 minutes. And 
And I remember just the feeling of knowing that I did enough to win. And uh, standing on the podium, it was the strangest, oddest mixture of every single emotion I could think of. You know, it's like relief and joy and and you know just the, the loss and the and guilt and and all those uh, you know things that come with a big event where you know I just like oh I'm so glad this has happened I just dreamed about this and I wish my mom were here to see it and and it's like oh man I mean you know it seems like my whole life has led to this moment it's like well who am I now <laughs> you know it's kind of like right. it, it's so bizarre and and so you know you step off that podium and and for whatever reason your life is different than it than it was before and you've got to kind of step into the new and 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 that takes a little bit of uh you know processing you know failure and and you know understanding kind of the opportunity while looking at it as just an opportunity and not a guarantee and and uh it was it was an amazing time it really was last thought quickly you're still doing your signature backflip uh right now i just did one in my brain and that's about it you know (laughs) my last one was 10 years ago and, uh, you know, I, I tried to come back uh, to skating at 51, and I learned to do my backflip again, and I, you know, I did a bunch of them, and, and uh, my brain tumor came back that year, and that's the one that didn't go well. That was one surgery became nine, and uh, it was pretty debilitating. So it was just was one of those things where I can, okay, I can put my skating life to bed, and I can worry about, you know, pouring into other people through my Cancer Foundation and the Skating Academy with the National Predators and, uh, you know, just this new LiveYourDays.com, you know, this whole new movement that we're trying to create to allow people to take our 30-day challenge in order to really shore themselves up and to understand, you know, kind of who they are organically and what they're made of and how they can bring joy into their lives. LiveYourDays.com. It's the Live Your Days podcast by the one and only Scott Hamilton joins us here on Boxer Row with the Radio Boss. Scott, really appreciate the time. Continued success in all you do. Uh, thank you. And what a joy and what an honor it is to be on your program today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. All right. God bless you and have a great day. To you as well, Scott. Scott Hamilton, gold medalist, joining us on the program. Some great words for him. He really, really shared his story, so we're grateful to have had Scott Hamilton on the program. Before we get out of here, Eddie Van Halen passes away earlier in the week. Rest in peace to Eddie Van Halen. Also, the HBCU Virtual Tailgate Series begins on Saturday. It's going to air from 11 a.m. Eastern to 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time and going to be highlighted this week, Alabama State. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to be part of the tour. Looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. As a matter of fact, we're going to do it virtually. Uh, Alabama State, A&T, Florida A&M, Howard, Southern, all part of the tour. And you can watch the tour on the Facebook Live pages of A&T Athletics, FAMU Athletics, Alabama State Athletics, Howard University, as well as Southern, on the Facebook Live of all of those schools' athletic pages, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. 